White Sox Weekly, your two-hour all-access pass to everything White Sox. Drive in the air! Deep to right! It is gone! This presentation of the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network is brought to you by Trust Bank and Mazda of Orland Park. Now here's your host, Jesse Rogers. And good afternoon to you, Jesse Rogers, with you on White Sox Weekly. Two hours of White Sox conversation. You get it every Saturday here on ESPN 1000 and the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Today we're talking in advance of the Sox and Rangers Game 2 from Texas. Lance Lynn will take on Spencer Howard. Len Casper back in the radio booth along with Darren Jackson. Connor McKnight will have the pregame show at 5.30. Glad to be with you. My maiden voyage on White Sox Weekly here and happy to do it because I'm talking about a first-place team on the verge of clinching their first division title since 2008. So let's set the scene today. We'll open up the phone lines. We'll talk to rookie Romy Gonzalez coming up in 30 minutes. In 90 minutes, Buster Olney, one of my uh, colleagues at ESPN, will join me from City Field. I really want to talk to him about the American League playoffs. I think it's going to be a fascinating October in both leagues, obviously. It is every October because when you talk about short best of five and best of seven series, anything can happen. But I specifically am really fascinated by what's going to happen in the American League in October. So first of all, the phone line, 312-332-3776. If you want to chime in, 312 312- 332-3776 is the phone number. Anything is on the table for you as we have two hours of conversation about the White Sox here. So I'm going to let you sound off good or bad, although it's mostly good after last night's 8 nothing victory over the Texas Rangers. We'll play some sound for you. You'll hear from Tony La Russa. You'll hear from Dylan Cease, the winner of last night's game. And uh, we will talk a lot about this division as it comes. Uh, creeps towards being clinched by the Chicago White Sox. As we speak, let me uh, click on my scoreboard here. The Cleveland Indians are up 11-3 to in the bottom of the ninth inning in New York. So they're going to win. They're one out in the ninth. They're going to win. So the magic number will remain at five, at five, to clinch the division. And what that means, of course, is any combination of White Sox victories and Cleveland Indians losses that add up to five, means they've clinched the division. So the earliest that can happen is Monday night in Detroit. Now, the Indians actually have a doubleheader that day against the Kansas City Royals, so that you have to add that into the whole mix. But they can't clinch until at least Monday. If they win tonight, it's down to four. If they win tomorrow and Cleveland loses, it's down to two. And then, of course, it could happen Monday night in Detroit. The Tigers, tough team. They might pass the Indians before the end of the month for second place. A.J. Hinch has done a pretty good job with a young up-and-coming team, and I want to talk about manager of the year with you as well. Get into that with Buster only. Certainly, Tony La Russa has to be in that conversation. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number if you want to jump on. really was a, a great win last night. 8 nothing. Dylan Cease just doing his magic. Ten strikeouts. Um, the only thing about Dylan Cease, and I want to get into this idea when it comes to the playoff rotation or this thought, is that pitch count gets a little high because he's a strikeout pitcher. And I even asked Tony La Russa last night on the postgame Zoom about just how you mature as a strikeout pitcher, trying to get 
some of that early contact and have some quicker innings. I think Steve Stone said this last night on the TV broadcast that uh, Len asked him, what would you rather have, a, a strikeout looking or a strikeout swinging? And Stone refused to answer that and instead said, I'd rather have a quick out. I'd rather have, basically paraphrasing him, a one-pitch out, a, a seven-pitch inning, because that gets you deep into the game. That gets you deep into the game. So I, I really want to get into the uh, idea of the playoff rotation. I started that conversation on Tuesday when I sat in for Waddle and Sylvie. I actually had Tony on the show, and we addressed that playoff rotation quickly. You know, I was in Milwaukee last night talking to Craig Council, and I asked him how he's going to handle the last couple weeks because they have a big lead in the division, similar to the White Sox. And, and both LaRusa and, and Council, even though they have big leads in the division, really don't want to talk about anything post-clinching until they clinch. So it's it's hard to to sort of get into playoff rotations with, with managers until they actually clinch. But I have some thoughts. I want to get that, get that with you. I mean, that's a great conversation piece. Like what order should the White Sox throw their starters in the playoffs? Sometimes it's obvious, but in a good way, I think this year there's some interchangeable arms. And I think there's you know, different reasons to pitch this guy in game one, this guy in game two, this guy in game three, this guy. You know, I think you can – look, there, you, have to, you have to come up with some reason to pitch them, right? I mean, they may be sort of splitting hairs saying this guy over this guy, but you have to choose one or the other one way or another. You may as well try to set it up best for that starter and for your team. Because you could just pick out of a hat with the White Sox. You really could. And we always talk about how important is this game, how important is that game. It's kind of a cliche because, look, it's a best of five. Every game is important. Really, is you got to start your game one. You know, you're acing game one. Well, you could start them in game two. What's the, they're just equally important. No, I get it. If you're down one nothing, maybe there's that second game two pitcher's feeling a little more pressure. Maybe that's a maybe that's a that's a reason to start your ace in game two. Now you don't want to go past game two because here's the thing. Your game one starter can pitch on extra rest in game five. Your game two starter can pitch on full rest, regular rest in game five. So you certainly want your ace in one of those two games. But you can make they're all they're all important. They're all important. Having said that, I still want to dissect it because I think it's a it's a good conversation piece. 312-332-3776. This is White Sox Weekly. Jesse Rogers with you till 530. And uh, at that point, we'll bring you White Sox baseball, the White Sox and Rangers. The Sox are 84 and 68, excuse me, 84 and 63. It was 38 years ago yesterday that Tony La Russa clinched the division, the AL West at the time. In uh, his first go-around with the White Sox, think about that, 38 years ago yesterday, and he's back about to do it again, Again, probably three or four days later than than uh, yesterday's date. You know, it's it's going to come Monday, maybe Tuesday. Worst case, I would imagine Wednesday, although I was looking at the uh, the weather, bad weather Tuesday and Wednesday in Detroit. So you don't want to let this thing go on. They go on to Cleveland. You kind of want to get this thing clinched and then move on to your post-clinching Playing plans, and I, I I talked to Tony about this. I think obviously they're still going to push to win games because there's that home field advantage to be had in the first round, and that's no small thing when you talk about their home and road splits. 
the Astros home and road splits. Uh, but Tony's philosophy is simply going to be this. If you are injured or tired, you are not going to play or even hurting. Injured is obvious, right? Uh, if you're injured, you're not playing. If you're tired or hurting, you're not going to play. But if you are available, we are playing to win. We are going to ask Liam Hendricks to get five outs if we think we can win the game, and it's his day to pitch. We're going to pitch Craig Kimbrell in the seventh inning or maybe for five outs or six outs if it's his day to pitch. So it's an interesting philosophy. If you're in the game, we're playing to win. We're not taking it easy. He'll expect you to run hard to first base and play great defense. Now you got to play smart. You don't want, you know, uh, Aloy Jimenez going over the wall again and hurting himself and nothing like that. But they will play to win if if you are available to play. That's that's Tony's attitude. I've already talked to him about that. It, it sounds like pretty common sense. Sounds like the right attitude to take. And speaking of those Astros, man, it just seems like every time the White Sox win, the Astros win. Every time the Astros lose, the White Sox lose. There's just been no ground gain. In fact, I think they lost a little bit if you think about the last week or so. The Astros are three games up on the White Sox for home field advantage in that first round. So not a huge number, but when you're getting down to the last couple weeks of the season, um, you start to think, okay, how's how the what's the White Sox sort of path to winning that first round without home field advantage. It certainly starts with winning one of the two down in Houston, preferably game one, and you have some money in, you know, some some money to play with, so to speak, playing with house money there. Um, but you get a sweep down there, and then you're feeling really good about yourself. Uh, but you have to start think, just thinking about one, one win down in Houston. But it's not over yet in terms of that home field advantage. It's just a three-game lead. Uh, unfortunately, Houston is playing the Arizona Diamondbacks, who took them to the 10th inning last night. But you can't necessarily expect that every night. Sort of interesting. There's another topic I want to get into. 312-332-3776. The Astros, a little different in terms of how they've gotten there. Plus 500 teams and minus 500 teams. The Astros are the best team in baseball playing against playoff caliber opponents. In other words, plus 500 teams. They currently are 43 and 31 against plus 500 teams. They're 44 and 29 against minus 500 teams. Still pretty good. Now, the White Sox, and this has been, of course, a, a topic of conversation, they are 25 and 29 against plus 500 teams, 59 and 34 against minus 500 teams. That 59th win coming last night against the Rangers. So the Astros certainly have beaten some of the best teams around. And if you want to say they raised their game against the best teams, fine. I don't know if that's real. But let's talk about the White Sox 25-29 and 29 record against plus 500 teams. I've said for a while now, and I'm not just saying it because I'm on White Sox Weekly or we're the flagship, I don't think that's a big deal at all. Yes, they did stumble down in Houston, got to, got to the Astros up here, so that was good. It's not like Houston swept the, the regular season series. Not that it really matters. I was covering the Chicago Cubs in 2015 when they won all seven regular season games against the Mets and then got swept by the Mets in the NLCS. No better proof than that, that it really doesn't matter. They lost three tough games in New York. Then they lost a couple against New York back in Chicago. That's when the Yankees were rolling. Play the Yankees right now, I bet the the, the, the White Sox would sweep them. And remember, one of those games in New York, they lost because of a triple play. So, yeah, they 25 and 29. Okay, it's not 
five and forty-five against plus five hundred teams. It's twenty-five and twenty-nine. Would you really feel so much better if they were twenty-nine and twenty-five? Now, if there's some extreme number, like I just said, five and forty-five, and you'd worry if they'd only beaten, only beaten the the bad teams, and if they were forty-five and five against the good teams, I'd sure, sure, I'd feel really, really good about their their chances in October. But 25 and 29 is not a big deal to me. Most good teams don't beat up on the other good teams. They beat up on the bad teams. Okay, they beat up on the bad. Even the Giants, who are just have an incredible record, 90 plus. They're 41 and 33 against plus 500 teams. Okay, it's eight over. Eight over, big deal. They're 55 and 19 against the bad teams. So I will tell you, do not worry about that. That doesn't mean they're going to win against the Astros. That mean, I just, it just means they have as good a chance as any. They could easily beat that Astros team. They could easily lose to them. That's the beauty of a best-of-five playoff series. And considering they're a 500-ish team on the road, the White Sox, you kind of would like to see them win that home field advantage, beat out the Astros. But so far, it doesn't feel like it's in the cards. Maybe the final couple weeks will be the difference maker. Three one two three three two three seven seven six again the phone number so and you can uh, tweet me by the way at Jesse Rogers ESPN are you buying what I'm selling regarding their plus their record against plus five hundred teams are you buying it or am I drinking the Kool Aid on that have I been around Connor too too long <laughs> are you buying what I'm selling they're twenty five and twenty nine against plus five hundred teams I think it's meaningless it did, I don't think it matters at all. Not one bit. 312-332-3776. When we come back, I also want to get into that playoff rotation. I can't help myself. I know we're a couple weeks away. But in some ways, it's not the biggest deal. You have four good starters. You run them out there. Each game is important. But I want to dissect it because you know the White Sox are dissecting it internally. They're trying to maximize the situation. It's not as simple as who's had the best season, who's had the second best season, who's had the third best season. There's a lot more that goes into it. But again, each game is equally important in my world. So they all have to perform. But there is some method to the madness of lining up your playoff rotation. So if you've had a thought on it, it's time to get it out. Because this is the last White Sox weekly show before they clinch the division. It's going to happen. Next week when Connor takes the the the, the seat here, we're going to be talking about that first-round matchup in depth. But I want to get a head start. Playoff rotation conversation coming up. Romy Gonzalez at 4 o'clock live from Texas. And Buster Olney will join me from New York at 5 o'clock. So a lot to do on this White Sox, uh, this week's edition of White Sox Weekly. I'm Jesse Rogers. Sean Davis producing. Appreciate all the help he's given me. And this is the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. The one-two from Dylan. Swing and a miss. He got him. That's number 10. Three strikeouts on the night for Adolis Garcia. Dylan has more than bounced back. Sox seven. Rangers nothing. That was Connor McKnight on the call last night right here on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. Jesse Rogers with you till 530 when we bring you game two between the Rangers and the White Sox, Lance Lynn will be on the hill for the first place White Sox. 
312-332-3776 is the number if you want to join the conversation on White Sox Weekly. Uh, I want to go over that box score last night because, um, once again, Luis Robert, just just absolutely amazing. He is just something else. Hitting 400 in September right now. 400 in September. But last night, Dylan Cease, and this this is something I want to get into um, regarding that playoff rotation. Cease went five innings, gave up four hits, two walks, 10 Ks. Guy's one of the best in the business, striking out people. 92 pitches in five innings, and that is part of the storyline with Dylan Cease, right? He has a high pitch count at times because he strikes out so many hitters. And I think that's part of the whole thing. He's got to have some quicker innings, get some, as crazy as it sounds, get some quicker outs without striking out guys. Or strike out guys on three pitches, which is hard to do. But uh, Romy Gonzalez, who we're going to talk to at, at 4 o'clock here, had three hits, went three for four with a walk. Mentioned last night that uh, Yasmani Grandel helped him out um, before the game, and then he went out there and, and did some damage. So I want to ask Romy about that conversation between the veteran catcher and the rookie infielder-outfielder. But Luis Robert, three more hits, drove in three, Hitting uh, second in the lineup, that that uh, boy, that middle of the lineup's really dangerous, isn't it? But he's hitting four hundred for September. It's not you know September fourth. It's not like a couple games in. We're September eighteenth now. Fourteen games. His on base percentage is four twenty two. He's only walked once. He's been hit by a pitch, but he's twenty five for sixty two. Twenty five for sixty two. Incredible. For Luis Robert, just been on fire, and he, he, he makes it look so easy. He makes it look so easy. He and Yohan Mankata remind me of each other in that sense. Mankata makes it look so easy at third base. And as a matter of fact, let's play this. LaRusso last night wasn't even asked this on the Zoom, but before he got up from this post-game Zoom, he wanted to mention an aspect of the game that came up big last night. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. Okay. Wait. Go, Bill. Bill. Yes. I want to say something. Go ahead. I feel like I still tuned in, but I thought when you look at the whole game, I mean, his defense was, was really strong, especially in the infield. And that's a very tough infield to play because the ball is, has a lot of life. And, uh, you know, pitching, they had bats. Uh, it was a, you know, completely well-played game. It's a pleasure to watch it. What I did. Thank you. So if we didn't know it beforehand, Tony wanted to – Remind us it was a pleasure to watch that game, and he's right. And that infield defense, when Mankata is totally engaged, man, wow. Great double play in that ninth inning. We know Tim Anderson when he's on his game. I know he had a rough one a couple nights ago, but he's just getting back in the flow. But just at their best, Mankata, Anderson, and Cesar Hernandez has certainly shown a lot, and Jose Abreu has improved greatly at first base over the years. That's a really good infield defense um, at its best. And then, of course, when you talk about center field, as long as you have Luis, Luis Robert out there, that's all that matters. I don't care who's in right and left, as long as you have Luis Robert. Now, before we move on, there is some breaking news. I'm going to retweet uh, one of the league officials here. So Mike Wright has received a three-game suspension and a fine for intentionally throwing at Shohei Otani the other night. Remember that? In the ninth inning, he hits Otani. He's appealing the suspension. But Tony Russa automatically gets a one-game suspension. He's serving that tonight. So it's the Miguel Cairo show once again. Now, 
LaRusa can't appeal it. He's suspended automatically, but Mike Wright would be available pending the appeal. They picked the ninth inning of their last game against the Angels to hit Otani. I, I shouldn't say they picked. They, they, they hit Otani. Whether they picked the ninth inning to do it, that's up for debate. They hit Otani in the ninth inning of the last game against the Angels a couple days after Abreu got nailed for like the 500th time this season. So Tony's out. Bench coach is in. We've seen this before. Kyra did pretty good, right, at the Field of Dreams game. So hopefully they can come up with a win while Tony is serving this suspension. But Mike Wright is going to appeal, so he would be available. Join us at Guaranteed Rate Field on Tuesday, September 28th, as the White Sox take on the Cincinnati Reds at 7.10 p.m. The first 10,000 fans will receive a Jose Abreu 2020 MVP bobblehead. Visit WhiteSox.com to purchase your tickets today. So there's some breaking news. Did you think that was unfair? 312-332-3776, the number. I'm talking about the suspensions. Um, you know, the league determined it was on purpose. I don't know how else to say it. And, boy, are they going to – if there's anyone in the league they're going to protect, it's going to be Shohei Otani, right? Probably the wrong guy to, to nail because the league's going to perk up when they see that happen. So what do you think about that? The news just coming down now. Tony suspended for a game, Mike Wright for three. When you were watching it live, did you think that was purposeful? 312-332-3776. In this day and age, believe me, back in the day, Tony probably would have nudged his pitcher to do something like this. But these days, managers kind of keep quiet. And if players do it on their own, Managers are usually not going to come down on their players for it. And I don't certainly don't think Tony is the type that would come down on Mike Wright. But do I think Tony gave Mike Wright a little wink-wink? I don't think so. I don't think so. Did a teammate tell Mike Wright? Possibly. Did Mike Wright do it on his own? Possibly. Is the league completely wrong and he didn't mean to do it? Possibly. I just don't think the uh, code red came from Tony Larissa. I don't think that was the case. I want to get your opinion on it after we talk to Romy Gonzalez. 312-332-3776, the phone number. So Tony Russo will not manage tonight. We'll get into that. But first, we talk to the White Sox sensational rookie. It's kind of come out of nowhere like a lot of them have. But this 18th round pick had a big night last night and we last night. We talk to him next on White Sox Weekly here on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. Let's go down to Texas where he's in the lineup again, and he deserves to be after a three-hit night, was on base four times. It's the rookie, Romy Gonzalez, joining me here on White Sox Weekly. Romy, good afternoon. How are you doing down there? Doing well, Jesse. Doing well. I imagine you're on cloud nine, not just because of last night, but just because of the journey as of late, getting a call up on one of the best teams in baseball and being a contributor. Do I have that right? You feeling really good about yourself right now? Uh, no doubt. You hit it on the head with that. What, what, what's been the What's been the most enjoyable aspect of this thing uh, over the last week or two? I mean, just just being up here, you know, just just everything about it, you know, being a major league baseball player and, you know, finally have being able to say that 
you know, I am a major league baseball player, and I have played major league baseball, so it's been it's been an amazing ride so far. Yeah, let's get into your journey. You played at the University of Miami. You were an 18th round pick, the 528th pick in the draft. At that point, do you understand? Okay, I've got to earn everything from this point on because nothing's going to be handed to me as an 18th round pick. Oh, definitely, definitely. But um, yeah, you know, um, being an 18th rounder, you know, you got to work a little bit harder. You know, things aren't going to be handed to you. Um, but you know, I still got the opportunity, which was which was you know amazing, just to have the opportunity to play professional baseball. You know, and just I'm grateful I made the most of it. Did things really click this year? You had the COVID year last year, so not much action on the field for you. But this year, things seemed to have come together. You had a great run at Charlotte for the few games you were down there. Yeah, yeah, things really started clicking this year. You know, um, not having a season 2020 was was tough. You know, for a lot of guys, especially like me. You know, I wasn't part of the uh, the taxi squad or whatever the uh, the 60 man player pool or whatever it was they had. And you know, I just I never stopped working. You know, I. I looked myself in the mirror and I told myself, like, you know, this is basically make or break. You know, I'm getting older and and this game, this game is, you know, how it is. You know, you got to be, you got to be on your on your game always. And uh, you know, I worked extremely hard and everything's just starting to click this year. Numbers are numbers, but you look at Double A this year, nice little season going on for you, and then boom in Triple A, you really put up some numbers. I think you're slugging like 750. In nine games, what happened at AAA? Why did it, you know, look so easy? I'm sure it wasn't, but why did the numbers? Why are they so gaudy? What what happened down there? Well, I mean, it, it's a small. It was a small sample size, but I was just, you know, coming off a of double A towards the end there. I started to pick things back up, and I was feeling hot, you know, and I just carried it over to the AAA. Were you at all surprised at the call up? Were you kind of hoping rosters expand a little bit? Maybe I'll get up there. I, I you know, um, my manager Wes told me he's like hey man like you never know what this in this game thing, things happen and he told me that i think three four days before i got called up and next thing you know he called me in his office and and broke me the news so it was kind of it still caught me by surprise um but yeah definitely it wasn't a total shot visiting with romy gonzalez here on white Sox weekly you know it's interesting romy especially on a good team this isn't like the old days where rookies come in and they get hazed and they're told not to speak I've been around contending teams, and they usually bring in their young players and make them part of that family quickly. Is that your experience when you came up? Oh, definitely, man. Everyone's been, you know, welcoming me with open arms. We got, like you said, this is a great team. There's a bunch of bunch of all stars on the team, and I mean, yeah, everyone's welcoming me with open arms and made me feel a part of the family. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I think you said last night that Yasmani Grandel helped you out recently. Tell us about that. Yeah, so yesterday before BP, he pulled me into the uh, the video room and we were comparing because uh, coincidentally he was in double A when he was rehabbing and I was there in triple A at the same time. So we, he saw me for two weeks and he's, he's so knowledgeable, man. He knows he knows so much about the game. So he pulled me in the video room and we were just comparing videos of, of my successful at-bats in, in double A and triple A as opposed, and in comparison to the ones I've had in the major league level so far and there's a couple adjustments. That 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 we made, thanks 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 to him. You know, he he pointed those things out, and I just it was a quick fix. And then you go out there and you get three hits. You take a walk. So did you take what Grandel said and and bring it into that game last night? Oh yeah, absolutely. Just just in B, after BP, I came in and I told him like night and day. You know, I had a totally different feel just in batting practice, and I just carried that over into the game. 
I mean, I think fans listening right now love those kind of stories, the camaraderie that goes on between a veteran like Grandel and a young player like yourself. Uh, tell me about what goes on in that clubhouse. Reporters aren't allowed in there. It's it's your own sanctuary. It, I would assume on a first-place team, there's a lot of meeting and, and helping each other out like that. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah, no doubt, man. Everyone, everyone, Everyone's on the same page. You know, there's, there's one common goal, and that's obviously, you know, make it to the postseason and go all the way, hopefully, you know. But, um, yeah, man, everyone's, everyone prepares every day, like, to the ultimate level, and it's, it's, it's been really fun to watch and be a part of. Visiting with infielder and outfielder Romy Gonzalez. He's playing second base tonight after right field last night. Uh, I don't know if you've been asked this, but did you have a sort of welcome to the big leagues moment, if you know what I'm saying? It could be on the field or off the field where you were like, oh, okay, this is the big leagues. I've arrived. What was that? Would you, do you have one yet? Um, definitely um, in Kansas City. You know, when I got my first at bat, I was like, I was like, all right, I'm here now. You know, the, the nerves were incredible. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't even feel my legs at the plate to be honest. It was, it was amazing. But and and I was grateful enough to have my mom, dad, and grandpa out there. So that was an amazing feeling. That's that's so interesting. And of course, outwardly you're showing confidence, but inwardly you're 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 shaking a little bit. Is that what you're saying? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think I didn't think it was going to be that that uh, nerve wracking, but it was definitely. My legs were shaking. It was it was tough. And and the phrase a lot of people in baseball say, you know, they they say when there's a third deck, and for people that don't know, you know, minor league stadiums aren't as big. There's no third decks, but especially Kansas City, that's a big. Ballpark, sort of impressive. You know, you got the waterfall. Mm-hmm. Is that also the, the you know sort of the intimidating factor of the big leagues? That third deck and the in the, the largesse uh, of the stadiums. Um, I don't think so. Too much. Okay. I mean, obviously, there's way more fans than than in, in than in the minor leagues. But um, I don't think necessarily the third deck has anything to do with it. But just just you know, like growing up watching all these games on TV and and finally realizing that I'm on these fields that I used to watch players play. It's, it's crazy. What what was it like at double-A AA and triple-A when the major league team is doing as well as it is? Is there sort of that buzz when it, that trickles down there and there's kind of like this quiet, like, hey, we, we, we want to be part of that, you know? Is that the, is there kind of like a quiet feeling to that? Oh, yeah, no doubt. We always we always had the the games on in the clubhouse watching, and it was it, it was incredible to watch. You know, such a great team. You know what they've been doing this year; it's been incredible. And yeah, yeah, we've always we've always been in Zoom with the games, and just you know, obviously trying to be a part of that one day. Visiting with Romy Gonzalez of the Chicago White Sox, White Sox and Rangers game two tonight, as that magic number continues to trickle down. Romy, tell me about your relationship with Tony Larusa over the first couple weeks here. You know, thirty eight years ago yesterday. He won a division as the White Sox manager. You were, I think, minus 13 years old, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. I, what's that like being with the Hall of Fame manager? What, what's maybe the best words of advice he's given you so far? His, uh, he's, I mean, he's been incredible with me. You know, he's really, he's really been in my ear, you know, giving me, dropping some knowledge, and it's been awesome. But um, he just told me, man, be myself and just have fun and, and be aggressive. If you're going to, you know, if you mess up, just be aggressive doing it. Go 100 miles an hour. Yeah, I like that advice. Be yourself, because I would imagine players come up sometimes and are taken out of their game, so to speak. They they think they have to do too much, or or they they're not aggressive because they don't want to make that mistake. Being yourself might be the best advice a manager could give a baseball player, don't you think? Absolutely. You know that's 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 what got me here. You know, just being me. You know, there's no need to change. 
Any other cool interactions with some of the veterans? I mean, I imagine when Jose Breu addresses you in any manner, you, you perk up and listen. Anybody, anything with him or any of the other veterans? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Jose Abreu is a phenomenal guy, human being, just class act. You know, he's a great guy. and I've, I've spoken to him on several occasions. It's, I'm all ears. What's the vibe as as you get closer to clinching the division? I know you just came up, but is it is it sort of palpable? Like, can you feel it? Or or guys just day at a time, you won't even know you're on the verge of it? Um, I think guys are just so locked in on the game. It's not... You know, it's, we're just going about our business, taking it one day at a time, you know, not looking too, too ahead. But, yeah, I think we just, you know, attack every day, just focusing on that day. Last thing, Romy. Again, right field last night, second base today. How do you prepare when you have to play two very different positions, whether it be any of the outfield positions or in the infield? Um, yeah, just, you know, during BP, if, let's see, obviously today I'm at second. I'm just going to do all my work at second today. And, you know, if I'm not playing, I'll, I'll do ground balls early and, and take uh, take some reps in the outfield on days that I don't play. But, uh, yeah, if I'm playing right one day, that's, that's all I'll focus on. Romy, thanks for your time. I imagine last night's a game you're going to remember, being on base four times, contributing to a big win. Um, and it's been fun to watch you so far in the short time you've been up with the White Sox. Thank you for coming on. No problem, Jesse. Thank you. Have a good one. All right, that's Romy Gonzalez here on White Sox Weekly on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Here's the one-two, lined into left, down for a base hit, Moncada around third. There's an RBI, Romy Gonzalez. The Sox not seeing much trouble against Taylor Hearn tonight. Two-nothing White Sox. Connor McKnight on the call last night. That was Romy's, uh, one of Romy's three hits. Hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did with the rookie White Sox infielder slash outfielder. Just doing a great job integrating himself into that clubhouse and uh, doing a good, pretty good job on the field as well. And I, I was serious. Like, it has changed with young players, especially on contending teams. Now, I don't know what it's like on non-contending teams. Maybe there's some hazing going on or some, you know, rookie stuff that, that goes unreported. But when it's contending teams, these teams understand, especially in this day and age, the young players are going to probably be big contributors because the game has gone younger. And so when someone gets called up and a team is looking to win a World Series, the last thing they want to do is ostracize him, right? Make him feel different or isolated or anything like that. Now, maybe they did on contending teams back in the day, but not anymore. I think that's why on many teams, but certainly this White Sox team, young players are able to contribute and be themselves so quickly. This year is no different. Vaughn, Sheets, Gonzalez. They've, you know, you name it, they've come up from AAA, veteran or young player, and have contributed. And what a story for Romy Gonzalez. 18th round pick, starts the year in AA, doesn't play during the COVID year, is not part of that taxi squad, as you heard him mention, and uh, really came on strong at AAA in nine games and then gets the call up. Let's reset things. Jesse Rogers here with you on White Sox Weekly till 5.30. That's when Connor McKnight will take over with the pregame show. Len and DJ have the call of the game. Game two, Rangers and White Sox coming up after 6 o'clock. 312-332-3776 is the number. We had some breaking news before that conversation I had with Romy Gonzalez. Tony La is suspended tonight. Miguel Cairo, the bench coach, will take over. 
just as he did in the Field of Dreams game. Mike Wright, righty reliever, suspended as well for three games, though he is appealing, so he's available in the bullpen tonight. And this is all. This all stems from Wednesday afternoon at Guaranteed Rate Field, the ninth inning of the final game against the Angels. Wright hits Otani after throwing one pitch very close to him inside, bouncing another pitch, and then finally hitting him. And we assume this is in response to Abreu getting hit earlier in that series. So I just went back and watched it. If it was on purpose, Mike Wright did not do a good job of hiding that fact. Right? He goes inside once, he bounces another one, and then goes inside and hits him again. So, you, you know, you really got to do it on that first pitch. You keep going back there. That's why the umps gathered, like, oh, what the hell's going on here? You do it on the first pitch, you might be able to get away with it. Ninth inning, was there two outs? I don't remember if there, how many outs there were in the inning, but it doesn't really matter that the Angels had won that game easily. So, here, three one two three three two three seven seven six. What do you think of the suspension? I know this is White Sox Weekly. We're White Sox fans. What do you think of the suspension? Out of line? Do you believe it was done on purpose? If so, then the rules are the rules. You're going to get suspended. It's an automatic suspension for the manager once they suspend the pitcher. Or actually, it might be even an automatic suspension when they kick out the pitcher. I'm not positive. But either way, it's an automatic suspension for LaRusso. Did you think do you think it's fair? You think it's unfair? 312-332-3776. And I mentioned uh last hour I want to talk about setting up the playoff rotation. Best of five series, okay? Let's remember that. Let's just go with the fact that right now they do not have home field advantage. So they'll start down in Houston, two games in Houston, two games at guaranteed rate. Game five would be in Houston. Four obvious starters. Some teams only have three good starters, and that means bringing a guy back on short rest. Your game four starter would have to come back on short rest. Not your game five starter, just your game four starter. The Sox don't have that problem. We're assuming Keiko's out of the mix, so you have to choose between Lynn, Giolito, Cease, and Rodon. So let's break this down a little bit. Do it with me. 312-332-3776 if you want to comment on it. If you go by the entirety of the season, who deserves it? It probably should go Lynn, Rodon, Cease, Giolito. Now, Giolito's numbers in the second half have gotten better. But if you just take the entirety of the season, the ability Cease has shown to strike out guys, I would go Lynn, Rodon, Cease, Giolito, but you could interchange Giolito and Cease. But there should be more that goes into it, namely home and road splits, right? That that should be a factor. In this case, the only thing that really jumps out at me when I look at the numbers, the home and road splits, is Dylan Cease has a 502 ERA on the road. 502 on the road for Dylan Cease. It's 322 at home. Now, look, it doesn't take into account the opponents, when it happened, when the, the numbers were, were compiled. You know, there's a lot of factors. I get that. Did it all happen in one start? But 
The facts are the facts. Dylan Cease ERA on the road is 5.02. Now, Dylan Cease is probably not your game one or game two starter, right? So that works out. Dylan Cease would start game three or game four at home, where his numbers are better. I think Lance Lynn should be your number one. But I asked Tony LaRusso about this this past Tuesday when I was filling in for Waddle and Sylvie, and he joined the show. I mean, I don't want to concede anything about game one. I, th- I think what you do is you put as much information as you can together, and then you make your decision based on the the information and also then what you, you know, I call it observation analytics. You you observe how guys are towards the end of the season, who's strong, who's hot, who's, who's not, all, all that stuff. So I think that uh, – and you know, it's a good way to close this to me. And I've talked to a lot of the guys that you know, and other with other teams, other organizations, and they're asking about this situation. And I think the most important point here, and this is one that I've communicated to other guys, we, is the balance. It's the respect that the guys in uniform, the traditional, you know, the player development, the major league staff, the respect that we have for the guys that provide the information, but also the respect that the information guys have for the guys in uniform who are actually coaching and making game time decisions. So it's a it's a real good healthy balance. You know, you you can't succeed without both of them doing their part. So there you have it from Tony LaRusso. And he's obviously talking about the numbers guys, if you want to call them the nerds, the sabermetric guys, providing information and then obviously people like Tony who's been in the game forever with Jerry Naren and you know Ethan Katz has been around the game not 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 with the White Sox or at the pro level as long. You combine all that to make your decisions. Now, he said he's not conceding anything for game one, but I think we'd all probably agree if game one. Now, here's the thing. Also to consider, the game one starter can pitch in game five with an extra day of rest. The game two starter can pitch in game five on regular rest. So let's say your ace Really doesn't need that extra day. Maybe you would consider game two. and I mean, in this case, it actually might apply. Think about this. I don't think this will happen, but think about it. Carlos Rodon, they've been taking very good care of his arm, right, lately. Now, we're assuming Cease and Rodon are one-two. If That may not be the case, but I'm just saying. They've been taking good care of Rodon's arm. If they're thinking, okay, we might need... I said, see, I meant Lynn and Rodon, game one and game two. Did I say Cease? If they're thinking we might need Rodon and Lynn in game five, you know, one could come in relief, you know, all hands on deck. Well, why don't we give Rodon the extra day? Lynn has a rubber arm, right? He was on the only he was on the IL because of his knee. The guy, yeah, he's got a rubber arm. Maybe you would pitch Lynn in game two because that's regular rest for game five where Rodon will get the extra rest. Someone convinced me that game one and game two has anything but the same meaning. They have the same meaning. It's two games on the road. One's just as meaningful as the other. Neither are elimination games. There's no, you know what I'm saying? There's nothing added to game two. Of course, you're either up one or down one, but whatever. So think about that. If they want to take care of Rodon's arm and they're considering him in game five, maybe he should be the game one starter. I just don't think they'll do that. It's a big moment. Lance Lynn's been around big moments. You you may want to just you know at least ease the whole team into a hostile environment down in Houston. So I, I get it. 
But here's the other factor that people don't think about. And we'll take your calls in a second, 312-332-3776. It's the days off in the series. You have one, two, day off, three, four, day off, five. And pitch counts on this team are interesting because a guy like Cease, with the amount of strikeouts, tends to have a high pitch count. He averages, think about this, See, they, they, they all average, a, we're just going to say 95 pitches per start. I broke this down. One, you know, Gilito's at 96, Cease is at 90. Let's just say they're at 95. They all average, all four. Obviously, the White Sox made sure they did it, did it this way. They all average about 95 pitches per start. But Cease does it in 5.2 innings. Giolito does it in 5.8 innings. Now that's a, I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a big difference. And Giolito leads the staff, 5.0 innings pitch per outing. Then it's Rodon at 5.67, Lynn at 5.62, Cease 5.21. Cease gets a high pitch count because of the strikeouts. Lance Lynn gets a high pitch count. In my estimation, it's a lot of foul balls. There's a lot of pitching involved by Lance Lynn. There aren't a ton of one-pitch outs with Lance Lynn. He's working you. He is grinding you. And because he's not necessarily a 99-mile-an-hour guy and he doesn't have that you know, Craig Kimbrell curveball, he gets a lot of foul balls. And the pitch count goes up on him. And Rodon, because also because of strikeouts, similar to Cease, high pitch count there as well. Giolito is really the most efficient pitcher on the staff, and the numbers prove that out. And so what I'm getting at is you, you really should consider him – I'm sorry, let me say it the other way. You should consider the high pitch count guys the day before a day off because you are likely to go to your bullpen. And you're likely to go to your bullpen for up to four innings and maybe more. And you want to do that in game two and in game four. So that's the bigger argument for Lynn to start game one, or as much as an argument. I mean, I think Lynn's going to start game one anyway. But Lynn in game one, Rodon in game two, before the day off, Giolito in game three, Cease in game four, assuming there is one, before the day off, and then game five. Now, that kind of makes sense anyway. I mean, Giolito's a little bit more, I think, has a little bit more uh, experience you know, in, in, in these moments than Cease. Cease is still learning. So I think those that lines up the way you would think about it anyway. Lynn Rodon, Giolito, Cease especially with Giolito's second half, but it also lines up because of the pitch counts of Rodon in game two and Cease in game four. 312-332-3776. Let's go to Pat in Wrigleyville. Sox fan in Wrigleyville. What's up, Pat? Hey, what's up, gentlemen? You tell me. You're good. Can you hear me better? Yep. Sorry about that. You're good. Oh, yeah. I'm actually a Cubs fan, but I've been following the White Sox. I think they got a phenomenal team. Um and uh, this is a big series, this, this DS series. I remember going into it against San Francisco. That was just – so I think you want to have your top guy um, with the most experience go game one. So I go Lynn game one, I agree. And then I'd go to – I'd go to Rodon two. And then three, I'd go Giolito. Four, I'd go cease. And uh, I think it's important. you got to do the four. It's hard to just do the three. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, on this team, there's no reason to do the three. There's There's plenty of teams that can only do the three, but not this team. Yeah, not this team. And it's pretty clear-cut that Keuchel would be the odd man out. Um, So we're in agreement. We're in agreement. I mean, 
sort of common sense thinking those four line up like that, but I also think strategically it makes a lot of sense as well. Yeah, all right. Have a good one. You got it, Pat. Thank you. Close out the regular season with two lower-level tickets for $30. There's still plenty of exciting White Sox baseball to come this season, so be here for it all. For tickets and more information, visit WhiteSox.com slash closer. More of your phone calls on the other side of this break, 312-332-3776. 30 minutes from now, it's Buster only. One hour from now, it's Connor McKnight with the pregame show. 90 minutes from now, it's first pitch with Len and DJ. This is White Sox Weekly on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Hey, welcome back to White Sox Weekly on this Saturday afternoon. Jesse Rogers with you for another hour. We'll talk to ESPN's Buster only at the top of the hour. I want to discuss the AL playoffs. I think it's just going to be a great, great October in the American League. And I also want to talk to him about the AL Manager of the Year Award. I think it's going to be an interesting race for that as well. Lineups are in. Miguel Cairo is your manager. Tony La Russa suspended uh, for Mike Wright throwing at Shohei Atani the other day. I mean, couldn't they pick someone else? Maybe, you know, with with Rendon out and Trout out, there aren't a lot of huge names in that Angels lineup. Could you hit someone else? I think the league's going to take notice when you hit Otani. Did you think it was on purpose? Do you think this suspension is fair? Do you get it? Or do you want to rail on the league? 312-332-3776, the number. Lance Lynn tonight, 10-4 with a 250 ERA, taking on Spencer Howard, 0-4 with a 738 ERA. So just by those numbers, White Sox have an advantage. I don't care who's managing. Here's the White Sox lineup. Tim Anderson was going to be off yesterday, was in the lineup. He's off today. So, Luis Robert back at the top, hitting 354 for the season, 403 this month, followed by Mancata, Abreu, Grandel, Eloy. Gavin Sheets is your DH. Lori Garcia is at shortstop. Brian Goodwin is in right tonight. And Romy Gonzalez is batting ninth, playing second base. So, that is your lineup. For the White Sox with Tim Anderson getting that scheduled day off because of his legs, trying to ease him back in. I remember Luis LaRusso the other day calling it sort of a spring training type schedule for him. And a lot of times that's every other day, that's two on, one off, that kind of thing. I don't think he's going to play three or four in a row, at least maybe not until the final week, something like that. Anyway, we'll take your phone calls. We're talking playoff rotation. Kind of obvious to me how it should line up. And it's also kind of how the season has played out. LaRusa mentioned how are guys pitching towards the end. Well, Giolito's pitching really, really well. But the key is also if you're going to use your bullpen, you want to tailor it to game two and game four so those relievers can have the days off. Because the day off after game two, day off after game four. So to me, that's Rodon in game two, high pitch count kind of guy, ceasing game four, high pitch count kind of guy. What you hope is the White Sox have sort of set this thing up where all those guys can go seven innings. That's what you want. Really shorten it to Kimbrough and and, uh, to Liam Hendricks. But if it's shorter than that, at least you're going to give those relievers a day off. Let's go to Harris, who's driving out there in Chicago. Harris, you're on ESPN 1000 and the White Sox Radio Network. What's happening? Hey, Jesse. How are you? Good. All right, so... This has been bugging me for so many years. I'm listening to talking about the playoffs and the five games and this and that. Can you explain to me, is there an explanation 
Why is the first round of the longest season in all professional sports only five five games? Well, the only it answer never makes yeah. it. Yeah, the only answer I could give is if it was seven, when you when you consider the wild card now is is has been added into this thing. If it's seven, you'll be playing the World Series in in the snow. That's the only just, answer I could give you. It's it's just it just doesn't make any sense because if you lose that first game, you're automatically in a hole. And when you play a hundred and sixty two game schedule, the reward for winning your division or coming, it should be at least a seven game series. That's my opinion. Yeah, Harris, I just find I, it. Yeah. yeah, I can't. I can't stay with me. Stay with me. I can't disagree with you. I really can't. <laughs> I mean, my I've I, I'm an advocate for a shorter season in the first place, but it is strange to play 162 and be out be out of the playoffs three days later. Like there should be some. Like why are we playing 162 and then you get three games to prove yourself? Now, right. now, now, some of that I get. Like it, it, I get there at some point you have to prove yourself, but. It, but you're right. I think it should be a longer series. I, I, I mean, it's you can't make it best of you know, 19 or something. But you, 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 three is just not enough. Three of five is just not enough. But that would mean a shorter regular season because already the uh, World Series would end on November 3rd this year if there if it goes to Game Seven. Well, that it's always been that way, but it just makes no sense. It's it's the longest season by far, and hockey does it, and basketball does it. How is Major League Baseball doesn't reward those teams? Because you lose that first game, uh, you know, you you could be done in three games. I think if they, when right, they, I was just yeah, curious when, what you thought. Thanks, Harris. No, I agree with you. Because but my basic sort of I, my default position is I think the season is too long in the first place, and that would solve your problem. But I also agree with you in general. It just seems weird and dumb to play that many regular season games, and then it's it's three of five. To determine if you go on, it's it just weird. Like, like, why not play less and and then more at the most important time? Plus, you know they make money in the in the playoffs. You think they'd try to extend that, and maybe they will with the new CBA and it, it, maybe with expanded playoffs. I mean, the thing is, you, you you have to reduce the regular season though, because you can't be playing. I mean, it's it, 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 if the Sox make the World Series, I'm hoping it's not one of those terrible Halloweens because baseball is not made to be played. In 30-degree weather. It's not. It's not made for the players. It's not made for the fans in the stands. And it's not fun. It's not enjoyable. It's about surviving. Game is played. Game was made to be played in, in, in good weather. Join us as the White Sox take on the Cincinnati Reds on Tuesday, September 28th, for Nurse Appreciation Night presented by St. Xavier University. All nurses, their families, and friends can enjoy specially priced tickets. Plus, first 1,000 fans to purchase will get a White Sox scrub top. To purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash nurse or call 866-SOX-GAME. You know what it's time for, our weekly segment, Len Asks. As many of you know, I'm kind of a uniform nerd. It's really important to me. So simple question for Len Asks. What is your favorite current White Sox uniform combo? Is it the home pinstripes? Is it the... uh, alternate black top with the pinstripe pants or maybe the road gray pants. How about the road grays or the 83 Sunday throwbacks? Maybe it's the Southside City Connect jerseys. Let us know your favorite current White Sox uniform combo. What do you think? 312-332-3776, the number. Off the top of my head, like my initial, that you should do your first thought was City Connect. However, however, I'm an older gent. 
I do like the 83 look. I do like that old school look. We don't have enough of that kind of thing going in this day and age. But City Connect's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Most people think the White Sox City Connect is the coolest in baseball. So what are your thoughts? Favorite combo when it comes to Sox Uni? 312-332-3776. The phone number lets you sound off on anything else. we got a caller segment coming up between now and 5. That's when ESPN's Buster Only will join me from New York. I want to talk AL playoffs with him and AL manager of the year among the topics. 312-332-3776. Feel free to answer. Len asks right here on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Jesse Rogers with you on White Sox Weekly. We've got Connor McKnight with the pregame show coming up at 530 as Miguel Cairo will be the manager if you're just tuning into White Sox Weekly. Tony La Russa suspended along with Mike Wright Jr. Mike Wright for three games, though he's appealing. La Russa automatically gets a one-game suspension, and he can appeal all of this for the White Sox, Mike Wright in particular, hitting Shohei Otani on Wednesday afternoon in the ninth inning of that uh, series finale between the teams. Uh, La Russa says it's not intentional, or Mike Wright says it's not intentional, but who knows? Who knows? So if you want to sound off about that, one three one two three three two three seven seven six is the number. I get both sides of it. The league is trying to you know, keep keep things sort of um, on the up and up. They don't want retaliation to be a regular thing. There's enough guys getting hit by pitches, not on purpose. You don't need it to be happening on purpose. And whether it was a retaliation to what happened to Abreu earlier in the series – I don't know. I don't know. Only Mike Wright knows. Maybe even LaRusso doesn't know. But they're going to say the right thing so they don't get suspended even more. Because if they admit they did it on purpose, forget about it. They're in big trouble. 312-332-3776. So, again, if you want to sound off about the playoff rotation, um, the season in general as we get down to clinching, probably could ask this question, who's the team MVP? I could give you three Maybe four finalists. Um, and then just what happened the other night against Otani, other day against Otani. Uh, fair, unfair, uncalled for? What do you think? 312 332 3776. And we're talking about uh, your favorite uni combo, as Len Casper asked last segment. In fact, let's go to John on that topic in DeKalb. You're on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network, John. What's happening? Howdy. Yeah. My favorite, I guess, is the black, <clears throat> the black tops and the white pins by straight bottoms. I like those. Those are, to me, that's a classic uni. It just looks sharp. It's just, uh, well, they got nice uniforms anyway, but I think that's kind of classic. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. They're, none of them are bad, right? None of them are bad. Well, but, no, I like them all. Yeah. Actually, give me my, give me my druthers. I like the, the old sleeveless. Yeah. You know, with the, uh, yeah. the sleeveless with the, uh, the arms coming through. Those are actually, I like those the best. Yeah, I like the 83 for sure, kind of like I like the old Houston Astro ones. I hope they do a throwback in the playoffs. I hope they both go go throwback, the Astros and White Sox. But I like like the City Connect. What can I say? Well, no, those are sharp, too. I'm hip, man. I'm like a millennial. (laughs) Me, no. (laughs) I'm 60. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm not that far behind you, but I feel like a millennial. I like the City Connect. Yeah, okay. Well, I do too. I think it's, you stay on top of things. You just stay with the times. That's all. 
There you go. But you know, I got to think. Got to think about this. Uh, you know, our players getting hit, especially Abreu. You know, Abreu gets hit just in every series. My God, he's like a target by from every team. And what the hell? I mean, why aren't they suspending these other pitchers? I mean, well, I don't get it. You can't sit. Look, don't... you can't suspend for unintentional hitting. It's obvious the game plan calls for pitching him inside. The guy's an RBI machine. So I get that that pitchers are really careful with him. Um, but you can't suspend pitchers. Now, look, hit-by-pitches have gone way up, so you could you could change the rules a little bit. You you keep hitting people, it's instead of one base, you get two bases. I mean, there's some dramatic ways to, in, to de-incentivize hitting guys and force I guys to maybe uh, come down on their velo and have better control. But that would have to be collectively bargained or, or you know, put into play by, by the commissioner. But I don't think you just start suspending guys because they're trying to pitch inside and they hit them. Well, I, well, I agree with you. But the thing is, why, why suspend Larusa and Wright? That's ridiculous. Because I mean, that, that, they, that's all I'm saying. They, that, it's that's yeah. ridiculous. They've determined they did it on purpose. That's the difference. I, I, I'm sorry. You oh. say that. I'm, that's BS. Hit the button. <laughs> we got to let you go. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Thanks for the call. All right, we're going to let that reset for a moment as uh caller got a bad word in there, but it happens. He's passionate. 312-332-3776. Yeah, look, we know they're they're pitching Abreu inside. That's obvious. That's obvious. And he's been getting hit. He's been getting hit. And that's a problem. But it's a problem around the league. These pitchers don't have the same control. They're interested in velo not control, and there are creative-slash-dramatic suggestions to incentivize guys incentivize guys to have better control. And one of them is you get two bases when hit by a pitch. You, you go to second instead of first. That's one of them. You, you, if you hit two guys in a game, you can be thrown out. I mean, there's all sorts of things you can do. Does that, will that, would that be enough? Would that be enough? I mean, last night, if you're rooting for home field advantage for the White Sox, the Astros winning on a walk-off hit-by-pitch with the bases loaded isn't what you wanted to see. But who was it? Clippert, I think. Couldn't find home plate with a with a telescope. I mean, it was just terrible. I don't know who he nailed. Uh, was it Jordan, maybe? I can't remember. But it's, it's so, yes, it's, it's bad. Abreu has been bad because he's such a good hitter. They're trying to be so careful with him that they keep coming inside and they keep hitting him. But it, I don't know, I have a tweeter saying, isn't it enough that they, they said it wasn't intentional? Well, no. I mean, if the league thinks it was intentional, and Mike Wright didn't exactly hide it very well, went inside on him once, bounced another one in, and then finally hit him. I don't know. Is that Mike Wright's first hit by pitch this season? I'm not sure, but I'm not sure he's hit a lot of guys at the at the very least. So it is what it is. But I, I, you can't start suspending guys just because they hit Abreu unintentionally, unintentionally. But you can start to think about changing the rules because I have said this all year long that there are going to be star players that miss time because of silly hit by pitches. You need your hands, your fingers, your wrists so much. When you're batting, a nick can knock you out, and it's happened. It's happened. Didn't Buxton miss a ton of time because of a hit-by-pitch? 
Joey Votto missed time. Plenty of guys have missed time. More so than any other year that I can remember, that's for sure. So I, I think they might need to make some dramatic changes to the rules to de-incentivize hitting guys. Now, look, you got to let them pitch inside. But if you can't control your 99.9-mile-per-hour fastball, maybe you need to throw it 96. If you can't control 96, maybe you need to throw it 93. There's no doubt pitchers have given up control for more velocity. And I think it's absolutely something the league should examine. No team should have to lose their stars because of that. No team. 312-332-3776. The number you're going to hear from Buster only. He's going to join me shortly. What a, what a great reporter and you know writer and sideline reporter Buster is for ESPN. He is in New York, I believe at City Field. So we'll talk to him in just a few moments. Secure your spot. For 2022 with a White Sox ticket package, the best way to get the best seats at the best prices. Plus, you'll get postseason access for 2021, flexible payment plans, and more. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com slash season tickets or call 312-674-1000. All right, if you didn't notice, the Cleveland Indians won today. Uh, they beat the Yankees, who are just reeling. I mean, that team's in big trouble. And, of course, I picked them to win the World Series back in March. Not going so well. Not going so well. Um, I think I picked the Cardinals to get to the World Series. I think I picked the Yankees and the Cardinals. I'm trying to forget that pick. Though the Cardinals, maybe they'll surprise everybody. Um, right now, they have a wild card spot. So the Indians lose. That means the White Sox – I'm sorry, the Indians win – so the White Sox magic number remains at five, right? Any combination of White Sox wins and Indians losses that adds up to five means the White Sox have clinched the division. We know it's going to happen. It's probably going to happen Monday or Tuesday in Detroit. One of those two days, right? Because it's going to go down by one tonight. Sox, Lynn versus Spencer Howard. I'm going with a White Sox win. So then it's down to four. One of the two things is going to happen tomorrow. Cleveland loses or White Sox. Then we're down to three. Remember, the Indians play a doubleheader on Monday. Now, it is against the Royals, so you can't assume the Indians are going to lose two games. But there's a chance for it to be reduced by three games on Monday. Usually, each day, it's by two games. Um, And and I mentioned this earlier. The weather in Detroit looks bad uh, for Tuesday and Wednesday's game. They play Tuesday night. And then Wednesday during the day, the White Sox and Tigers, who have been playing Tampa Bay tough so far this week. And by the way, the Tigers are no no slouch. They're no pushover anymore. So either way, it's going to happen Monday or Tuesday. And then I think Tony can talk more about what his plans are for the final couple weeks. I did talk to him the other day on the field about it a little bit. And his attitude, has, you know, it's kind of like a common sense attitude. If you're available to play in the game, if you're in the game, we are playing to win because, of course, home field advantage is still at stake. If you are injured or tired or need a break like Tim Anderson's going to need here and there, then we're going to sit you out. We're not going to push everybody to get that home field advantage, even though it's kind of important. It's kind of important considering the White Sox are basically a 500 team on the road and the Astros are much better at home as well. Still, health is most important, then it's about home field advantage. 
888-900-3776 is the number. Do you want to break for a 10-second ID? All right, we're going to pause 10 seconds for stations to identify themselves. Your caller. Hello? Uh, is that me? Yeah, Hello? that's you. I don't have your name. What's your name? Yeah, I'm Jay. I'm, I live in the South Loop. All right, Jay, what's and on your mind, pal? What's on my mind is it's about time the White Sox, whether they admit it or not, defended Abreu. Um, you know, I've been a Sox fan my whole life. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember. In LaRusse's uh, first time in the in the playoffs, Baltimore threw at Kittle, and they hurt Kittle and damaged him for the the, the series, and the White Sox ended up losing that series. And that was part of it. Kittle wasn't the same. I, I think, you know, again, it's a many years later. Who knows if LaRusse even remembers that. But the bottom line is is that, that Abreu gets thrown at, and it's not just up and in. It's not just control. The guy gets thrown at because he's so important as a producer for the White Sox and, you know, getting things rolling for the White Sox. So I, I got to tell you, it's nice to see that he was defended, and it's not going to cost anybody but a game, and no one's going to admit anything, but other teams have to think twice because, you know, the White Sox team has a Braves back. Look, I can't argue with anything you just said. I mean, nobody wants to be throwing at um, intentionally, but uh, and hitting Otani is certainly going to wake up the league, but if you're okay with the punishment, then I get what you're saying. I get it. My argument is these pitchers that want to pitch inside better ha- should have more control. They should have more control. Go ahead and pitch inside. That's part of the game. You just don't need to be hitting guys up near the head or the shoulder or the hand, whatever. You, once in a blue moon, you hit a guy, fine. And I and I get the game plan. So I'm with you on almost everything you just said there, basically. I mean, I don't think you want to make a habit of it because now you're going to be hurting people. Nobody wants to see Otani hurt. First of all, Otani didn't do anything wrong, right, in that moment. So I think it's it's it, you, there's a fine line there. But I get Trying to protect your guy. All right, coming up, not coming up next. ESPN's Buster Only. He'll join us to talk about the AL playoffs upcoming in October, and of course the Manager of the Year award. I've been talking about that a little bit here. I want to get into it with him, Tony Larusa. Probably a finalist, not for sure, but probably will be a finalist. Stay tuned. This is the uh, White Sox Weekly on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Cap and Jay Hood, seven to ten mornings, ESPN one thousand. Five o'clock in Chicago on this Saturday afternoon. It's White Sox Weekly for another 30 minutes. And then we've got the pregame show with Connor McKnight. First pitch after six with Len and DJ down in uh, Texas where the uh, White Sox will take on the Rangers. Lance Lynn versus Spencer Howard. Let's go to New York right now and talk to a colleague of mine at ESPN. Does just great work on the sideline for Sunday Night Baseball. And, of course, you can read his columns at ESPN.com. I'd call it must-read. And also, of course, his daily podcast, Baseball Tonight, daily on ESPN.com. You can find it there and uh, wherever you find your podcast. It's Buster only. Buster, good afternoon, pal. What's up, Jesse? I'm doing well. Um, Here in Chicago, we never miss a chance to sort of make fun of New York. Uh, can you find two more underachieving teams right now than the Mets and the Yankees? Granted, the Yankees still have a good record, but as you talk about how things have gone down the stretch for both teams, wow, it's, it can't be can't be a fun fan base uh, in New York right now. No, uh, New York talk radio lately has been really interesting because <laughs> <laughs> you got the Jets and you got the Giants. And all their struggles, and then the Yankees were supposed to be the best team in the American League coming into spring training. That hasn't uh, played out that way. 
you know, there's a lot of conversation about what's going to happen if they don't make the playoffs. And you're right. I mean, the Mets are one of the biggest disappointments. They were in first place at the trade deadline, and they've collapsed to the point that now uh, it, it feels like that, uh, you know, in some time in the next 10 days, they may wind up being eliminated. It's it's been uh, for both those teams a lot of conversation about what's to come in the winter time. You know, I wonder how much of a break they get because Jacob Degrom went down. Now, every team this year in particular has experienced injuries, but I think for every you know two position player injuries, that counts like one uh, one pitcher injury, right? I mean, the, the starting pitching injuries are are much more devastating. Um, so I, I actually, and I'm going to get to this point later, like the fact that the Rays continue to go without Tyler Glasnow is quite amazing. But maybe the Mets, do you give them a little bit of a break? Because DeGrom goes down, it's hard to replace that kind of production. No, and I'll tell you why. You know, earlier in the year when they were in first place, I remember talking on the radio about how you could either look at the Mets and what they were doing at that time, either glass half full or glass half empty. If you were to go glass half full, you could say, wow, they've had some injuries and some issues and and then the glass half empty is, if you look at what the Braves have dealt with this year, if you look at what the Phillies have dealt with this year, Nationals, Marlins, there's no excuse for the Mets not to be in a position to potentially win the division. Uh, and for them to collapse the way they did in, in August was, was remarkable. Um, and here's the scary part, uh, I think, for the Mets going forward. If you're new, a new owner, Steve Cohen has more money than any other owner of baseball it's hard to see where the bedrock is because we still don't know what DeGrom might contribute going forward. We don't really know what Francisco Lindor is going to be going forward. They have a lot of issues in the baseball operation uh, department to, to sort out because Jared Porter, who was the general manager, got banned from baseball for sexual harassment. And the guy who stepped in as the interim GM got a DWI earlier this month, and he hasn't been heard from since. Yeah, quite quite the storylines in New York in New York for both the Mets and the Yankees. Let's let's bring things back to the American League. I, I am just maybe every year, you know, the the playoffs are, are are this are sort of this up in the air. But I feel like in the American League, yes, the Rays have proven to be the best team. But I do think this is going to be a very interesting postseason in the American League in particular, and. I don't know how to split this. I mean, the, the the White Sox and the Astros, I think it's a fascinating matchup, especially in the dugout with the two managers, Tony La Russa versus Dusty Baker. I think the Astros have a little bit more when it comes to experience, obviously. They've won a championship. Most of those players have been there. But I think this is this is one of those things you could go either way on. Maybe home field advantage you'd give the Astros if it was a football game. You know the line would be minus three because they're going to be at home right now at least. How do you shape? How do you size up that first round? Yeah, and I think the Astros this year. You know, Alex Cora told me early in the season. Look, that's the best offensive team in the American League um, in terms of their hitters. You know that they're going to have an advantage in experience. Um, but on the other hand, I, you know, look, I saw the White Sox uh, a couple of times in late July, early August, and I walked away saying that's a team that could wind up winning the American League Championship. The big question is, you know, how quickly do members of their rotation who've been dinged up lately, Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn, get up to speed? Uh, and I also have the voices in my head in the last four or five years of folks within the Cleveland Indians organization feeling like once that team, you know, got to the postseason after winning the American League Central um, in, a, in a weak division, they really felt like that put them at a disadvantage that once they got into the playoffs, 
um, that they, they just were not playing at the same rate of intensity that maybe some of the other teams did. Um, and I, I know a couple of the White Sox have given voice to that recently, talking about, you know, with all due respect, um, you know, they'd love to have a, a stronger competition within the American League Central to prepare them for the postseason. But here's the equalizer for me, which is why I, you know, look at the White Sox and Astros as a coin flip. If you need somebody to jumpstart your team going into a postseason series, there's nobody better than Lance Lynn, who I assume, you know, could wind up getting the ball in a game one for Tony La Russa because of his experience, because the way that he pitches, he's in attack mode right away. So it's not like he would go into a game sort of feeling his way out, uh, feeling his way through the first innings. He would be going after hitters, and I think that would be a valuable thing for the White Sox. Visiting with Buster only here on White Sox Weekly. Yeah, I, I think everything you said there is, is right on the money. What's interesting about the White Sox rotation, and I know it's probably similar everywhere, is they're really, they basically are maybe six-inning pitchers. That's including Lynn. Lynn gets a lot of foul balls. Cease gets a lot of strikeouts, but it takes a lot of pitches. Rodon, a lot of strikeouts. Michael Kopech might be one of the most important players on this team. That bridge between the starter and Kimbrough slash Liam Hendricks is going to be Kopech a lot of the time. And it's so interesting to me that, that you know, the better you are as a strikeout pitcher, the, the shorter you might go in a game. And that puts such an onus on your bullpen. Michael Kopech in a hostile environment in Houston. I'm fascinated to see how that would turn out, Buster. Well, I remember when I covered uh, the Yankees when they won the four championships in five years. And what Joe Torre, their manager, would say time and again is that when his eyes, what was difference-making in the postseason was bench and bullpen. Uh, and year after year, you know, when you look at the bullpen that they would have, that would be a deciding factor when you could finish up with a Mariano Rivera. And look, Michael Kopech absolutely has the stuff to dominate in October potentially because he can miss bats. But as you know, by the time we get to this late in the season, you have the question of, you know, how rested are the relievers? Is he in good shape in terms of how he's feeling? And once you add in those that adrenaline, you know, everything can change. I mean, you and I have seen so many uh, absolutely, uh, you know, top-of-the-line relievers uh, all-star closers completely melt down once you get to October. So you're right. It's going to be a great unknown with Michael Kopech, knowing how much responsibility he's going to have on his shoulders as a right-hander who's going to be brought in to face Jose Altuve and Carlos Correa and Alex Bregman. He's going to be the go-to guy once we get into that, uh, you know, just past the starters if they have a lead to protect, um, and they're going to have to rely on him. Visiting with Buster only from ESPN. You know, Joe Torre said bench and bullpen to you. It's interesting because he spent so much time in the American League with the Yankees. He did come from the National League. But you don't think of bench when it comes to American League because there's a DH. But I, I assume he says, he says that because playoff games are so tight. You get to that eighth, ninth, tenth inning. And to get that right, you might have to call on your bench to get the right matchup. Or if you go into extra innings. Um, and, uh, you know, the White Sox have a strong one through eight. Maybe maybe it will come down to the bench. It, it often does come down to that guy you don't expect, doesn't it, Buster? Well, there's no doubt, and I also think that part of what he was referring to is uh, was the possibility of injuries. In other words, you sure. get into a series and, you know, a starter goes down. How are the, you know, the guys in the bench in terms of stepping in? Because there are times when 
we've seen players who've moved into a you know, preeminent role in the postseason. They've been completely overmatched. And on the other hand, if you have an experienced guy to step in uh, or somebody who's young and feels really comfortable stepping in and he can thrive, that can absolutely be difference-making. Because injuries will happen. I mean, the White Sox know that better than anybody from the course of this regular season. And once you get into the postseason, you know, there's not time for guys to heal up. You actually have to you know, discover heroes on your bench. Going back to what you said about being ready for the postseason because of the division they play in, I- I'm just as worried if you're a White Sox fan that they've had such a big lead for so long. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's also kind of what you're saying. I mean, it's you know, they're 25 and 29 against plus 500 teams. It's not so bad. It's kind of, you know, you'd like to be above 500. But to me, it's just having this 10, 11, 12 game lead and and not having played meaningful games for so long. I think it's why a while a little bit ago there was a 14 game stretch against good teams and Tony treated it like a playoff stretch. I thought that was very interesting. They they did their pregame work as if they were getting ready for a playoff series. The White Sox went 7-7. Seven and seven. Uh, The Brewers have to face this in the NL. Sometimes having that huge lead can can sort of drop that intensity for quite some time, and then you got to rev it back up again, Buster, as you know. Yeah, 100%. And look, when we saw the, the White Sox uh, in early August, I asked Tony about all this. And, and look, he, he's the second winningest manager in baseball history. So if there's a secret to dealing with that type of situation, you know yeah. what that Tony would be someone who could unlock that. And he felt confident that they'd be able to figure that out. I will also tell you that Terry Francona, the manager of the Indians in recent years, he's got a lot of experience. He'll make a speech in Cooperstown someday, and it was a problem uh, for the Indians. I had players tell me, I had people on that staff, because they felt like after you know blowing out the division and winning by a significant margin, as the White Sox are doing this year, that once they got into the postseason, it was the comparison I've made. It's like uh, in the NCAA tournament, if you were like in the Atlantic 10 and all of a sudden you're playing Duke <laughs> and North Carolina and Kentucky, yeah. completely different level of intensity. Um, you know, you think, for example, right now, I mean, every game, there's so much pressure on the Blue Jays, who I think arguably right now might be the best team in the American League. Uh, they're fighting their way into the postseason every day. Boston's doing that. Uh, you know, the Yankees are doing that. The Rays have finally you know, gotten comfortable where they are. The Astros have all that experience. So you have all these teams who are going you know, playing in meaningful games all the way into to mid to late September where the White Sox, when I talked to Tony at the end of July, we knew who was going to win the division. So that's going to be their challenge. And that's why I think having a guy like Lance Lynn, who's going to have consistent intensity, could be really valuable for them especially in that first game. I think that first game is going to be absolutely key for those guys to get up to speed. Yeah, good point. Let's talk about the AL Manager of the Year Award. I mean, these awards are kind of silly sometimes. But I'm sort of fascinated by this year because, look, Scott Service, Dusty Baker, um, uh, Tony La Russa, obviously. Heck, you could give some votes to A.J. Hinch for what he's – I mean, if Detroit finishes in second, that's quite quite the deal that he's done there. Um, Alex Cora coming back from suspension. And let's not let's not – uh, bypass Kevin Cash. He won it last year, but to to get to a hundred to hundred wins in that division and win that division with that payroll, you got to give him some credit as well. I mean, some might say Charlie Montoya, but I I, I don't know if he's right there. H- how would you handicap this thing? It, I think it's impossible to really pick one. Well, if I were to have a vote, and I don't, uh, I would vote for Kevin Gash Cash, wow. who won that award last year. I mean, the the Rays have been phenomenal. 
you mentioned, you know, Tyler Glasgow right. being hurt. They also traded uh, during the course of the wintertime Blake Snell. And Charlie Morton walked away as a free agent. And yet the Rays run their system. You know, they yeah, have this yep. incredible ability to match up. Um, I would pick Kevin, but I think the vote, Jesse, to your point, is going to be completely split. I think that, you know, writers love narratives, as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that there will be a, some voters will say, you know what, Tony La Russa is a great story. Taking over as the White Sox manager, he comes back, they win the division by double digits. That's worthwhile. Uh, I think that Alex Cora will get some support because the Red Sox were not expected. They're probably the biggest surprise in the American League this year in terms of being a playoff contender. If they make the postseason, you know, he might be a guy who gets some votes. You're right. There weren't a lot of expectations for the Mariners. So I think that'll be split. For me, I think the best manager in the American League this year is Kevin Cash. Yeah, it's hard to, to to argue against it because he doesn't have a ton of known stars. You know, I remember covering the Cubs in the the was it the Brandon Webb Diamondbacks in 07, right? Was Brandon Webb was the star there? I remember that was, I was asked what scares you about the Diamondbacks, and I said what scares me about them is nothing scares me about them. I can't pinpoint one thing. I think it's the same thing with the Rays. It's either nothing or everything. Because they're not a team full of stars, but they run their system. You, you didn't even mention they, they traded Willie Adamas, who's like a heart and soul guy. You know, we'll just send him to Milwaukee. He could be their heart and soul guy. We've got enough enough here. So I, I'm with you, but man, what a what a what a job that organization has done. And I guess Cash would be the recipient of the of that job that you know that they've all done in in, uh, in some respect. But but it's a, it's a tough it's a tough one. Real quick on the on the wild card, uh, Boston Yankees Toronto. What are we looking at here? Well, uh, you know, I, as I mentioned, I think right now Toronto is the best team in the American League. They're playing that well. Their offense is added to, and they go with the deepest lineup right now in baseball. Uh, and I think they are the team that probably the Rays fear more than any other. Um, you know, the, the Red Sox and Yankees are kind of slopping along here right. as we go down the stretch. The Red Sox having some defensive issues. The Yankees, you know, beating up in their rotation. Uh, somehow they lose games to the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, and I... I'm going to be fascinated to see what happens with the Yankees if they don't make the postseason, uh, you know, how extensive the changes are in the wintertime. You know, a lot of frustration. And last thing, speaking of changes, going to the other side, if the Padres don't get in, does Jace Tingler lose his job? Uh, I believe he will lose his job. I agree uh, with you. I agree with yeah. you. Yeah. I think that he, yeah, I think there's going to be a, a absolute – uh, call for change, and a name that I'm going to be really fascinated to watch is that of former Padre manager Bruce Bochy, who has support within the San Diego ownership. He's living in Nashville this summer. I texted with him a couple years ago. He said he would not rule out the possibility of coming back. He would be deferring his speech in Cooperstown. That would be fa- a fascinating turn of events, Buster. I'd love it. Get, get, hey, the old guys are doing something pretty well this year. Right, so it's, <laughs> right. It's, it's the game's not past them. They're pretty sharp. These guys, Baker versus Larusa in the first round is going to be fascinating to me. Buster, thanks for joining me tomorrow night. Sunday night baseball. It's the Phillies. It's the Mets. Um, both teams trying to hang on for dear life in the playoff race. We'll be watching, pal. I appreciate it, Jesse. Great right. to talk Ta- with you. Yep, you got it. Talk to you soon. Love being on his podcast uh, every so often as we talk uh, Cubs and White Sox. Uh, when I'm on, at least, a lot of the time. You can catch that uh, on ESPN.com. It's housed in every, everywhere you get your podcast. That's Buster Only, of course, is Sunday column on ESPN.com as well. Join us at Guaranteed Rate Field on Wednesday, September 28th, 29th, 
as the White Sox take on the Cincinnati Reds at 7.10 p.m. The first 10,000 fans will receive a Pride Night t-shirt presented by BMO. Visit WhiteSox.com to purchase your tickets today. We're going to come back, start to wrap things up here on White Sox Weekly and hand it off to Connor McKnight for the pregame show. First pitch, Rangers and White Sox coming up just after 6 o'clock. Stay tuned. This is White Sox Weekly on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Follow us on Twitter at ESPN White Sox. Head to the park after work for bleachers and brews. Get one ticket and two beers starting at $25. Must be 21 and over with a valid ID. Bleachers and brews is presented by Budweiser. To purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash brew. I want to thank Buster Only for joining me last segment as we start to wrap up this edition of White Sox Weekly. Connor McKnight is standing by with the pregame show. Len and DJ are down in Texas for first pitch after 6 o'clock. The magic number can go down by one today. Cleveland already won. They beat the Yankees badly. Put a hurting in their playoff chances. So if the White Sox win the night, the magic number will be four. That means it could go down to two tomorrow and then a chance to clinch on Monday where it could go down three different ways. The Indians play a doubleheader on Monday while the White Sox take on the Detroit Tigers. In fact, I am going to go to Detroit for the series and cover the clincher. Hopefully it happens sooner rather than later. There's, um, looks like some bad weather forecasted for Tuesday and Wednesday in Detroit. So hopefully they clinch that without much of a delay or anything like that. And then Tony La Russa and the team and the organization can start to line things up for the postseason with also keeping in mind that home field advantage. Right now they trail the Astros by three games. Bring your family a four to a White Sox game starting at $59 with a family four-pack. You'll get four tickets, four hot dogs, four drinks, and four chips to select games. For tickets, visit whitesox.com slash four-packs. So, I, you know, that AL Manager of the Year award is just kind of going to be fascinating this year. I, I Usually there's... It's pretty easy to determine who the finalists are, and even many times who the winner is. This year could go it could go any any direction. I mean, honestly, Scott Service deserves some some votes. Remember what happened in spring training with the Mariners, right? So he had to rally them. You know, when the president spoke out about service time and stuff like that, he had to rally his team to 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 overcome all that stuff. You got to give him some credit. Kevin Cash has the best team in the American League, in the best division in baseball. Got to give him credit. And, of course, La Russa absolutely has to get a lot of credit for navigating the injuries they had. Dusty Baker as well, first-place team there. So it's going to be a fascinating vote, not to mention Alex Cora coming off the suspended year and, and, and getting that team in the playoff race. Sox fans, have you checked out? The new podcast with Len Casper and Jason uh, Jason Benetti. It's called Sox Degrees, and they will have great guests all season long. Some close to the team and some six degrees away. New episodes drop every Monday with Benetti and Casper. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks to Sean Davis, of course, for producing this stellar two-hour White Sox Weekly. And, of course, our executive producer of White Sox Baseball, Baseball, Ryan McGuire, who has held my hand through a couple broadcasts now. I want to thank Ryan. And I also want to thank Romy Gonzalez for joining me. Thanks to the White Sox for getting him to the phone today in Texas and Buster Only from ESPN as well. Thanks for listening, folks. Stay tuned for White Sox baseball. Connor McKnight has your pregame show on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network.
Hey, uh, AT&T, do you mind turning down your music a little? We live with AT&T, and it's a headache. Before he moved in, he always talked about gig speed internet, but turns out we can't even sign up for that here. We really wanted gig speed for my constant work video calls during the day and all of his gaming and live streaming at night. Oh, seriously. You know, my buddy Bruce just switched to Xfinity. He went with a gig since all his kids are living at home. Lucky Bruce. I bet they also get Xfinity's online security, so all their connected devices are protected. Okay, I can't handle this. He is actually tone deaf. He's a drone chef? What's that? Stop living with AT&T. Xfinity can deliver gig to the most homes. Plus, with advanced security, if it's connected, it's protected. Switch to Xfinity. Go to Xfinity.com slash compare ATT. Call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. XFi advanced security is available to Xfinity Internet customers with a compatible XFi gateway. You're busy. You have a life. So, we'll keep this simple. Switch to insure on the spot and save money on your auto insurance payments. That's it. No gimmicks. No gotchas. Just a free quote in two minutes with payments as low as $49 a 